never forget, right? And so we can't forget. We need to remember. There's a scripture that I want to take you to. And today, really, uh, I told you last week, today we're going to start talking about prayer. And there's a scripture that I want to start out with. And really, I'm hoping that today we'll kind of build a foundation for what we're going to talk about for the next few weeks. And uh, the scripture is Hebrews chapter 11, 1 through 3. Um, some of you who, who know the word pretty well probably know that uh, Hebrews chapter 11 is a list of uh, people who had great faith. And they call it like the hall, of, uh, the hall of faith. Not the hall of fame, but the hall of faith. And, uh, and Hebrews 11 is a really neat chapter. But right there at the beginning of the chapter, there's three verses that I wanted to talk about or read and then talk about today. Uh, and then we're going to read a, a, the first three verses of the 12th chapter as well. But I want to start out with these three verses, and I'm going to ask if you'll stand with me as we read these together. Um, just, just really some great verses that will, I think, get our, our minds focused on the right thing here this morning. It says, Now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. For by it our ancestors won God's approval. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. So that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. Isn't that amazing? You may be seated. Thank you for standing with me. Have you ever had someone uh, come up to you and, uh, and say, will you do something for me? And if someone comes up to you and says, will you do something for me, what's your response? <laughs> right, right. You, you want to know what it is, right? He's like, well, what do you want me to do? You know, you're not willing to commit right away. You're like, well, wait a minute, what do you want me to do? Uh, let, me, let me just um, change the scenario just a little bit, okay? What if that person that comes up to you and asks you to do something for them is someone that, um, that you trust completely. I mean, you trust them completely. You know that that person loves you unconditionally. And you love them unconditionally. Now, that person walks up to you and says to you, will you do something for me? Does that change anything? I think it does, doesn't it? That changes things. I mean, it just does. Now, I want to demonstrate something to you this morning. And, and I was, I was going to have somebody come up here, but I think, uh, I think I'll just do it with, with all of you guys this morning. Okay? And uh, basically, this is something, I, I, hopefully, is, it's a good analogy. Hopefully, it's a good analogy of trust and faith. Um, so, so I have something in my hand. Okay? I have something in my hand. Now, you don't know for sure that I have something in my hand. But hopefully you have faith that I do have something in my hand because I'm telling you I have something in my hand. Now, I want to also tell you that, that what I have in my hand is money. Okay? So you don't know that I have money in my hand. You don't know that, that I have even anything in my hand, but I'm telling you, I have money in my hand. And hopefully, 
you believe that I have money in my hand. Now, I'm going to tell you this. I have a dollar in my hand, okay? Now, you don't know that I have a dollar in my hand, but I'm telling you that I have a dollar in my hand, and I hope that you believe that I have a dollar in my hand, okay? Now, I'm about ready to take away your faith. Ready? Okay, here we go. I hope the people online can see this. I hope you can see this, actually. All right. Now, some of you are like, he doesn't have a dollar in his hand. Yes, I do have a dollar in my hand. It's a Susan B. Anthony dollar. Okay. <laughs> I don't blame you. I don't blame you. So I have a Susan B. Anthony uh, dollar in my hand. Now, what's interesting about that is when I open my hand and you can see the coin, it, you thought it was a quarter, right? That's why this money didn't work, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> Some of you are like, what is a Susan B. Anthony dollar? It's like probably before your time. But it was really not much bigger than a quarter, Right? I know retail people just love this. Yeah? No, they didn't. Now, you believe me because I'm a pastor. <laughs> Some of you are laughing like, yeah, right, <laughs> right, yeah. We believed you because you're a pastor, right? I hope you believe me because I'm a pastor. Pastors ought to have a little bit of, yeah, okay. All right. Maybe you believe me because I wouldn't dare lie to so many people at once <laughs> in a crowd. I wouldn't lie to all of you. Uh, maybe you believe me because I haven't done anything since I've been here to make you think that I'm not believable. <laughs> maybe. All right. Uh, at first, at first, you thought that I did lie. Because when I opened up my hand, you didn't recognize what I said that I had in my hand. <laughs> it didn't line up with your expectation. So sometimes answers to prayer when they're revealed to us and they don't line up with our expectation, it will cause us to not believe. Make sense? When we go to God in prayer, we are approaching God with trust and faith. And today's, today's message is about how faith in God is essential to prayer. And basically what I mean by that is that if you do not have faith in God, why would you even pray? Right? Why pray? If you don't have faith in God, why pray? Why approach a God that you don't have faith in? We wouldn't. We don't. People don't. What has produced that faith that is essential to prayer? What, is, what produces that faith? Uh, some would say that what produces that faith is 
answers to prayer. Some would say that that is the very thing that has caused them to not believe in God. We're going to get very real today. Can we get real? Can we be real with each other? Okay. So this is just this sermon's just real. And I have and I have struggled with it this week. I really have. It's so real. So some would say the answers to prayer have helped them to trust God. Some would say some would say the fact that God didn't answer the way they wanted him to answer has caused, caused them to not trust in God. So uh, some have prayed for some really important things in life only for those prayers to not be answered or, me, or at least not be answered in the way they wanted the prayer to be answered. I'll give you some examples. Real life. Barbie and I know a family and their, their son, their son uh, who was very young, uh, got cancer. And the family uh, is filled with, quite honestly, the family's filled with pastors. And the reason I even bring that up is just to say that the family is filled with strong believers, strong believers. And so... The family, uh, when they found out that, that he had cancer, they, they just got, they got so many people praying. I mean, they had, they had a lot of different church connections, and so there were many churches praying. There were hundreds, maybe thousands of people praying for him. And he, get, and he got this cancer, and, um, and he didn't make it. He didn't make it. He, he passed away. And he left behind a wife and small children. And I remember, I remember a time in which Barbie and I and the kids, we were at Anderson Camp Meeting. That's, that's what they used to, they used to have a, a convention in Anderson, Church of God convention called Anderson Camp Meeting. We were at Anderson Camp Meeting. And on stage, we were, we were sitting there, and on stage there was someone speaking this, this particular time and they were talking about how they had had cancer and that God had healed them. Praise God, right? It's fantastic. And we hear of how God does that. We hear of the miraculous things that God does. And we praise the Lord when we hear about those things. But what was happening that, that particular day as we were listening to this person on stage talking about this healing of cancer, we were sitting and looking down the row at this young man who passed away, we were looking down the road at his parents, who were both Church of God ministers themselves, with the tears rolling down their face. Another time, really not that long ago, um, Barbie and I sat in a chapel service at Christian Healthcare Ministries, where we both worked and where, where she works still where Crystal works as well. And we were sitting there in that chapel service and we were listening to a video testimony of a, of a baby that had fell into a swimming pool. 
and was face, face down in the pool. They pulled the baby out. The baby was lifeless. The baby wasn't breathing. And many prayers started to go out. And the testimony went that uh, many prayers were given, and the baby, they didn't think the baby was going to make it. They thought if the baby would by chance make it, that the baby would have all kinds of problems because the baby hadn't, hadn't been breathing for a while. And, and the, the video testimony, the miracle was that the baby not only survived, but the baby had absolutely no problems whatsoever. Praise God. That's fantastic. But this happened, this, this testimony happened not long after dear friends of ours lost their five-year-old son to a tragic accident. And it was the same scenario. They, they brought in life flight and, and, and life flighted him. And there were so many people praying. I mean, the, the prayer chain, so to speak, the prayer chain just, it just blew up. And people were praying really all over the place that the Lord would intervene. The Lord would save this five-year-old's life. He didn't make it. He passed. See, we don't have faith in God because of answers to prayer. I realize this is not your typical prayer sermon. Your typical prayer sermon is that I'm going to get up here and rah-rah and, you know, God will answer every prayer and this isn't that. The fact of the matter is we cannot have our faith in the answers to prayer. If we did, our faith would actually not be in God, but in his blessings, in his answers. That would be dangerous because God doesn't always answer the way that we want or expect. Some would, uh, would have amazing faith because God chose to answer their prayer in a miraculous way. And some would have no faith because God chose to answer their prayer in a way that disappointed them, maybe even caused them great grief. But our faith is essential to prayer. That's, that's, that is the title of this message. Our, prayer, our, our faith is essential to prayer. We're not going to pray if we don't have faith. But listen, church, I pray and have faith because I believe in God, not his answers. I believe in God, not his answers. You ask, well, do you believe in the power of prayer? Do you believe that prayer is powerful? I say, absolutely, I do believe that prayer, that prayer is powerful. But here is in particular what I believe. I believe God is powerful and he loves me more than words can describe. That's, that's what I believe. When I go to the Lord in prayer, I am going to a powerful God that can do anything. And I believe that that powerful God who can do anything is also a God that loves me more than words can say. Loves me more than words can say. 
Now, we started with Hebrews 11, 1 through 3. Let's go to Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. It says, therefore, now this, this again, this follows when, when, when the writer is saying these things, he is following this list of these people who I talk about, the hall of faith. Okay, all these people had great faith. Okay, so this, and now this follows that directly. It says, therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, talking about that hall of faith, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. I want to I read that sentence again because it's so important. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself so that you won't grow weary and give up. Some people have given up on prayer. Some people have given up on prayer. Our faith isn't in a prayer answered. Our faith is in the who we are praying to. And why can we trust him? Why can we trust God? Why is Jesus the source of our faith? Because we know that he cares about us. We know that he loves us. We know that he has our best interest, our eternal interest in his heart. And I've said this, uh, I've actually said this since my mom passed away. And I actually put it on, on the screen or had them put it on the screen. Um, God's sovereignty would be terrifying to me if I wasn't so convinced that he loves me so much. To substantiate this idea, we go back to our scripture in Hebrews 11, uh, verse 3. We are told in Hebrews 11, verse 3, these things. It says, uh, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. And when I, when I read that, what that tells me is that faith is believing that what is seen was made from things that are not visible by a God who is not visible. That takes faith, doesn't it? But what that's talking about is that's talking about enormous power. Think about it. God is all-powerful. We, we, we call it uh, omnipotent. God is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He can do anything he wants. A being that can do anything they want to do in the universe can be a frightening being. A being who can do anything they want to do in your life can be a frightening being. In one sense, we pray because we believe God can do anything. That's one of the reasons why we pray, because we believe he can do anything. And he can. He absolutely can do anything. It, it, and it's talking about that in this third verse. It's talking about he, he, how he took nothing and made it into something. 
So if he spoke the planet into existence, and he did, and he did, okay, he can do whatever you're asking for. Right? And, and we think about that, and we think, well, you know, and this is really where it gets down to, like, when, when, the, uh, when the scientists and stuff are trying to, to prove that we evolved and, and all of those things, what, what basically happens is when they, they take it back, they take it back, and they can only go so far because they need matter. And they can't explain where the matter came from. Okay? They can't explain where the matter came from. Well, guess what? We have an explanation of where the matter came from. God made something out of nothing. He spoke it into existence. He's that powerful. He is that powerful. And so uh, we're talking about a God that can do anything. If he made the sun stand still in the sky, right? It's, it tells us that in the scriptures that he made the sun stand still in the, sky, in the sky. He can work out the timing in your life. Now, I got to thinking about this uh, not too long ago, him making, because I was going through uh, my Bible reading time and I read that scripture and as I read that scripture, I thought, well, the sun doesn't move, right? So what did God actually do? God actually stopped the earth. God actually stopped the earth's rotation. You guys seem unmoved by that. <laughs> that is incredible. So... A God that can stop the earth's rotation and yet at the same time override the laws of physics. Because that's what he did. Because he's awesome. He can handle anything. Okay, I, I hope I'm, I'm doing well with this. If he can calm the wind and the waves, which he did, then he can give you Peace in the storms of life that you're in, right? We talked about that. You see what I'm saying here. The writer of Hebrews ties, ties faith to the immense power that God has. He ties faith to that immense power. What, what the writer of Hebrews is saying is, God can do anything. Believe it. Believe it. Believe that God can do anything. And so for your situation, whatever it is, God can do it. And really, all he has to do is speak the words, and it is done. It is done. He speaks it, it is done. But that can be scary. That can be scary. So... The fact that, that we're praying to this all-powerful God that can do anything and do whatever he wants to do can be scary unless, unless we know that he loves us unconditionally. You see, when, when we realize how much he loves us, 
that scary thought of he can do anything becomes a comforting thought. Right? So, we bring back in Hebrews 12, where it says, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith, for the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, I know that I take you guys to the garden a lot. I've... I haven't been here very, very long, but we keep going back to the Garden of Gethsemane. <laughs> it's because, to me, that's, that scene of Jesus' life, that moment in time in Jesus' life is, is so moving, and there's so many lessons to learn there. Really, so many lessons to learn there. So I'm going to take you back to the Garden again today, okay? Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray before he was arrested, to pray before he was arrested. Okay, so that in and of itself is an example and a reason why we can look and say, oh, it, it's good to pray. <laughs> Jesus prayed. Makes sense for us to pray, right? Jesus had faith. Makes sense for us to have faith. Jesus trusted the Father. Makes sense for us to trust the Father. So Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray before he was arrested. And the scriptures that we read from that portion, like in the Gospels, that, that time when he went to the Garden, the scriptures tell us that there Jesus agonized in prayer. He agonized in prayer. Now, why was he in such agony? Well, let me, let me explain as, as well as I can. Jesus was in such agony because uh, I really believe, and, and, and Jonathan Edwards, who's a, is an old-time preacher, he said that, that, uh, that in the garden that the Father allowed Jesus to see the furnace that he was going to have to step into. And I really believe that there's something to that. I, I believe that when Jesus came to the garden, that he, he got a full understanding of what he was going to be enduring in the next several hours. He, he, he got this full understanding of what he was going to be going through. And when he looked and he saw what he was going to be going through, what did he see? Well, obviously he saw that he was going to be going through excruciating pain excruciating pain, the pain of, of being whipped, the pain of the nails, the pain of the, of the, the crown of thorns, the, the excruciating pain that he was going to go through. But he also witnessed and, and understood and come to a full understanding of the ridicule, the shame, uh, the, 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 just the sheer amount of, of energy that was going to be drained from his body. The way that he was going to be hated by the people that surrounded him. I believe that he, that he had, the, when he went to the garden, he had a full understanding of all of that. And, I, and I, would, I would say that, you know, we understand what it means. Many can say, I, I know what it means to have excruciating pain. I've had terrible pain. Some would say, I know what it means to, to have shame. 
You know, I, I, was, I was shamed in this or I was shamed in that. I know what it means to be ridiculed. Maybe you've been ridiculed by people. You know, we can identify with uh, at least a portion of some of the things that Jesus was, was going to endure in those next hours. But here's what we cannot understand that Jesus fully understood in that moment. Jesus fully understood in that moment that the sins of the world were going to be heaped upon him. The sins of the world were going to be thrust upon him. They were going to be piled on him. They were going to be put on him. And it wasn't going to be just like, uh, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll take that. This is, this is yours. This is yours. This is yours. No, those sins were put on him. They were placed on his shoulders like they were his. Those sins were placed on him like he was the one to blame. Like he was the one who committed the murder, that did that horrible act, that hated, that did the, those heinous things, those heinous deeds that we would look at throughout history and throughout time and in our culture today and say, oh, that's horrific. Why would someone do such a thing? That is terrible. Those things were piled on Jesus like it was his fault, like he was the one that did those things. And he knew as he was in the garden, he knew that it wasn't just the pain, it wasn't just the shame, it wasn't just the ridicule, it wasn't just all of the things that he was going to endure like that, but he was going to have all of that piled on him. And in that moment in time when all of the sins of the world piled a thousand miles high on top of Jesus, like he was the one that did all these things, he knew that in that moment in time that the Father was going to turn his face. Is it any wonder why when Jesus got to the garden to pray, he said, Father, let this cup pass from me. And it says that in the scriptures, it says this, it says that he became so anguished that his sweat was tinged with blood. And that's a real thing. But it only can happen if someone is like so stressed, so anguished that it bursts the capillaries. It's a real thing. Jesus was that anguished. He was that much in agony. Why do I, why do I bring this? Why do I say this? You see, I, I say this because when we fail to remember the intensity of Jesus' love in the face of an unanswered prayer, we subconsciously, I'm not saying it's a, it's, a, it's a conscious choice, but subconsciously we minimize what Jesus did for us, embracing the cross, despising the shame. Jesus made a calculated choice for us that day in the garden. He chose love. He loved us with everything that he had. He gave himself completely for our sake. So on the one hand, we have this all-powerful God that can do anything. On the other hand, we have a God who loves us so much that he gave himself for us. And he's one and the same. He's one and the same, folks. 
And so you can trust him. You can trust him. So no matter what is in his hand, right? Even if it doesn't look like what you expected. Even in that prayer, he opens up his hand and there's the answer. And it's not what you thought. It's not what you were praying. You can still trust him. Because he loves you that much. He went through all of that for you. So, if you're going to pray, and I hope that, I hope that this, this message, this series of messages will, will spur your prayer life. I, I hope it'll spur your prayer life. And, and I just want you to know that as you approach, as you approach God, you're approaching the one who can do anything in your life. He, he, can, he can absolutely do whatever you're asking. And he loves you more than you could imagine. So you can trust him to go to him and ask of him. You know, I believe that it's essential to trust God to be a person of prayer. And I hope and I pray that this morning, as you think about your prayer life, as you think about those times in which you're coming to the Lord and you're, and you're de desiring to have that communion with Him, that you realize you're coming to a God that loves you more than words can say. That, that really should be our motive, right? Because we need that Prayer is a relationship, isn't it? It's a relationship. And, and I don't want you to think of it any other way. I, if, it's, if, it's just a, if it's just a form, if it's just what we do, if it's just because it's on the agenda, it's wrong. Wrong motive. It is a, it's a friendship. It's a relationship. And, and as you come to the Lord in prayer, you're coming to a God that is so powerful that he can do anything, but he loves you so much that he, he'll do the right thing. And I love that about him. I love that about him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we bow before you, we thank you, God, for your love for us. We thank you, Lord, that you love us beyond measure, beyond words. Lord, there's so many times in the scriptures that help us to understand how much you love us, how much you care about us. 
Lord, whether it's the scripture that tells about how you leave the 99 to go after the one. Lord, maybe it's, maybe it's the scripture that tells us that, that Paul was praying that we would experience the, the, the length, the, the width, the height, the depth of your love. And maybe, Lord, it's just the fact that when we read the scriptures, we can see, Lord, that you went back to Jerusalem knowing that you would be arrested there. Lord, you submitted to those arresting authorities. You went through the trials that were just, they were just mock trials. And as the scripture tells us in Isaiah, you didn't open your mouth. You didn't defend yourself. You didn't try to get out of it. Why would you do such things? Lord, we know it's because you loved us so much. And Lord, when we approach you in prayer, help us to remember that great love. Help us to remember, Lord, how much you love us, how much you care about us. And yet, Lord, at the same time, remember that you can do anything. We can trust you with whatever's going on in our life. Lord, we pray this morning that you'll draw us closer to you. Draw us closer to you. Draw us into an intimate time in prayer, not just now, but Lord, in our regular basis in our life, that we would draw close to you in that intimate relationship, knowing that we're coming to you, the God who loves us and cares about us. Lord, that we will realize that prayer is not something that we have to get into a certain posture, but Lord, you meet us where we are every day, whatever we're doing. Lord, that we can go to you, our loving God, in a moment in time when we're at work, when we're driving in our car, when we're heading to a meeting, when we're going to go to a family get-together, when we're at a family get-together and things are maybe not as, as, as calm or as uh, peaceful as it should be. Lord, you are always present. You're always there. You're just ready, Lord, for us to call on your name. Prayer is such a special moment in time with you. Help us to grasp that because we know that you love us more than we could ever imagine. Thank you, God, because, Lord, there's somebody here today, there's maybe several that are here today that are they're going through some things in life and they're, they're just they're confused or maybe they don't understand why something hasn't worked out or the, the way it's going isn't what they expected. Lord, help them to know today that you're right there with them, that you love them, that you care about them, that you have not abandoned them, that you have not uh, been deaf to their, to their prayers, but Lord, you're hearing them, you're loving them, you're right there with them, that you're uh, holding their hand that you're taking care of them through whatever they're going through right now. Bless them, Lord, with your peace and your presence and your love and your strength. Bless them now, Lord, with exactly what they need. Thank you, God, for this. Thank you for these people. Thank you, Lord, that right now there are people that are considering uh, making a, a 
time of prayer to be something that they need to do in their day. Help them, Lord, to be able to, to make that time, to use that time, Lord, to stop and to listen and to think and to contemplate and to, to lift their heart to you and trust you with all their heart. Thank you, Jesus, for all of this. We love you, Lord. It is in your name we pray.